Well, what a wonderful opportunity we've just had, or I've just had, to be able to share this awesome truth of the gospel with those young people, that next generation, who will be carrying, we pray, that message on long before we are in God's presence. That should be our prayer anyway. Sharing the truth of why, as Christians, we remember and reflect and celebrate on this Easter Sunday. This Sunday where we celebrate Jesus' raising from death. The message of truth that should not just be proclamation at Easter time. It is a message that should be proclaimed from our lips, from Christians' lips, 365 days of the year. Isn't that true? Amen. If someone were to ever to do a test to see what Christians' most used words were in a year, it should easily be summarised in one phrase. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have the gift of new life. That's what we should, or uh, the words in the year should be at the top of that list because that is the truth and really the only truth that we need to proclaim to the world around us. There has never been such a statement made that not only brings such joy and such hope to those with ears to hear and hearts to receive whilst also bringing a sense of sadness with it. The Jesus, God, the Son, so pure and blameless would take our place on the cross that would take my place on the cross. Me, Craig Gibson, a wretched man, not deserving of the love and grace of an all-powerful, almighty God. Craig Gibson, who, who did not and does not deserve the favour of God, but because of his great love, his pure, unbreakable, righteous love, he invited me into fellowship with him today and for all eternity as he does every one of you. A truth and a reality made possible only because of Jesus, my Saviour and your Saviour, my King and your King, my Lord and your Lord. On Friday, we met here for our Good Friday service and uh, a wonderful time of just reflection uh, that we had together. And as we were here, we read the journey to the cross or as sometimes it's referred to, the passion of Christ. We listened as we recounted Jesus instituting communion with his disciples. We heard his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane to God the Father and his being arrested and being falsely accused at the hands of the religious elite of the day. 
We heard how he was dragged before the Roman governor who ultimately sentenced him to die by one of the worst torture devices that mankind has ever concocted before being laid in a tomb and sealed by that heavy rock. We can only imagine what his disciples must have been thinking as they tried to process all of that, which happened so quickly. Had it all been a lie? Had it all been a lie? Had we made a big mistake by following Jesus? What do we do now? What does life look like for us now? But I am pleased to say that all that emotion would be flipped on its head three days later when a remarkable, a remarkable event took place that would change forever the course of history. After Jesus had been buried, Mary Magdalene and some of the other female disciples prepared spices and ointments to it um, were in order to anoint Jesus' body. And we read in Luke 24 these words as to what happened next. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the man said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words and returned from the tomb. They told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Unsure what had just happened, unsure what they had just heard, they went running back to tell the other disciples. We're told Peter and in one of the other Gospels, John, two of Jesus' closest disciples, ran to the tomb to see for themselves, to see with their own eyes. Sure enough, Jesus was gone. Jesus was not in the tomb. But he wasn't, he hadn't gone far. He hadn't gone far. Later that day, he appeared to them, saying, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. But they were frightened, believing that he was a ghost. Jesus then said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands, see my feet. His hands and feet that were pierced by those nails as the Romans nailed him to that wooden cross 
the wood that he helped to build and create in the beginning of the world, the irony of it, or the irony of it. See my hands, my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bone as you see that I have. Then he said, what I think is one of the, one of the best uh, quotes and moments within, within the Bible. He turned around to them after that and says, have you got any food? <laughs> I mean, come on, just put yourself in that room. Put yourself in that room. His disciples, one minute, are thinking, oh, life is over. What are we going to do? We're going to have to run from our lives from the Romans. Next thing, pop, Jesus is there, you know, saying, peace be with you. I mean, they're not going to hear peace be with you because they're going to be hiding behind the sofa or wherever it is they were hiding, thinking there's a ghost that's popped into the room. He then goes on there, you know, he then shows them his hands and his feet and encourages them to touch him before saying, I know you're frightened, I know that, you know, you're probably trying to figure out what, what's going on in this moment, but have you got any food? I'm hungry. Of course he's hungry, just think about what he's gone through. He was the same when he went into the desert, wasn't he? Didn't he not, doesn't scripture say he come out and said, I need some food, I'm hungry. Of course he's hungry, he's been fasting for 40 days in the desert. Gosh. But it wasn't just his disciples, his close disciples that he appeared to. As we saw in that video, he walked and taught and ate with two of his disciples on the road to Emmaus. And he did, he did appear to 500 people at once. A truly remarkable event. Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, was indeed alive. Hallelujah. Yes, Craig, but it's a lovely story, but it's not possible. It all sounds a bit far-fetched, many people will say to me and to you. Someone rising from the dead, if it were possible, science would be able to prove it because science is our basis for truth and logic and science is there to confirm and disprove the truths of life. Isn't that an argument we hear so often in the world around us? Science, science, science. Yes, you might be right if you live your life only believing that all there is is the knowable space, time and matter. Space, time and matter around you. But what if, what if just for a moment you allowed yourself to look beyond the known space, time and matter, beyond mankind's limited scientific knowledge, a scientific knowledge, by the way, that God gave them, just throwing that one in there, you will realise and be forced to wrestle with the reality and the truth that there may be something more than science can explain. Something that you can't fit neatly into any known scientific box. 
something that is more precious than any scientific breakthrough to date or will be found in the future, something so great and powerful, something that is outside space and matter and time, something that spoke space-time and matter into being and holds it all together in perfect harmony, something that is not a thing at all but God, the ultimate righteous God of time and space. One God in three separate persons, God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. When you allow your mind and heart to be opened to the possibility that there is a supernatural God, then raising a body that is made of matter is not that difficult at all. Is it not? It's not difficult at all, for God anyway. We can't do it. Now science would have done it by now. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen, the angel said to them. There are no greater words ever spoken that should instill such happiness and joy into the hearts of all humans throughout the world, throughout all time. But the problem is that there are still so many people out there, including our friends, our family, maybe even people in this room this morning who shrug this truth off as simply a story that they learned in Sunday school when they were dragged to church as children. Or who briefly heard it by accident, landing on Songs of Fellowship when they were flicking through the TV trying to find their programme. Or who read it on a leaflet that was given out when we went out last Saturday into the town and gave Easter leaflets into people's hands before they read it and threw it away saying, oh, Jesus died on the cross and raised again three days later. That's a lovely story. That's a lovely story. But I haven't got time to think about such childish and impossible things before then heading off into their everyday lives, seeking and searching for something or someone who can fill the empty hole in their heart that emptiness inside that longs for something more than they have ever been able to find in the world around them. Well, friends, today, on this Resurrection Sunday, (coughs) I challenge every person in this room and every person watching online who is searching for true fulfilment, true happiness, true hope, true peace and a love that the world can never ever give you. Why are you looking for life among the dead of this world? Why are you looking for a saviour in all the wrong places in this world? Why? Friends, we live in a lost and broken world full of broken people. Too many are looking to the world for fulfilment, for hope, for peace, for love, 
and never really finding it. Too many drink excessively and take drugs because it helps them to escape the realities and difficulties of life around them. Provide them then this momentary joy, this momentary happiness, but it doesn't last, which is why they keep going back and back and back. Too many have affairs and sleep around because they've become slaves to their flesh. And are searching for that euphoric experience that will help them to feel more fulfilled than maybe they are. Because unfortunately, it's this momentary thrill is what the world tells us we need. Too many people are taking excessive loans and spending money that they just do not have because they believe it will provide them the contentment they so long for. These are just three examples. This list is not exhaustive. We could spend the next two hours going through things that are similar. Too many people exchange the truth of the gospel and the life-changing message of Jesus Christ to look for salvation in the materialism of this world and to the gratification of their flesh. Now, don't get me wrong, alcohol, sex and money are not inherently bad. Let's not paint a bad picture here. They're not inherently bad in themselves because God made them. God made them. But when you approach the use of them from a corrupt, fallen and dead worldly perspective, they will become a snare for you. They will damage your life and they will end up becoming becoming the God that you become slave to. Every one of us is created in the image of God, praise him. We are special and individual, and whether people believe it or not, God has placed two primary commands in all of our lives. To love him with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength, and to love others as ourselves. But the tragedy is that we live in a world where many actively or passively rebel against this command. Some people even stick two fingers up to God and say, I will do it the way I want to do it. No one will tell me otherwise. And I know that every one of you, somewhere at some point, has either heard or have got someone in your life that has that attitude. I will do what I want, when I want, before heading off in search of their next thrill of activity that will make them feel good in the moment, sometimes at the cost of hurting other people around them. And it's because of this defiance that God made a promise that we would be punished for our selfish and rebellious attitudes toward him. Casting those who do not turn to him in this life, I'm sorry to say, into hell, as the Bible calls it. Let's get one thing straight, and trust me when I say this, God is not the type of God who will go back on a promise. If that is what he's declared, that is what will happen. 
Don't think you can hide from it and don't think you can barter your way out of it. It's not going to happen, friends. I'll tell you one thing, if hell had a theme tune, it would be I did it my way. Would it not? I did it my way. The arrogance. Oh, sure, it's a fun song to sing. I love a bit of Frank Sinatra, particularly Christmas. Where's Sky? Bit of Sinatra at Christmas? Absolutely, yeah, why not? But the consequences of taking that attitude and living your life with that approach is devastating. And I wouldn't be loving you as God calls me to love you if I didn't tell you that truth. Because sometimes pure, genuine love requires us to tell people the hard, honest truth. Have you got what it takes to tell your loved ones, your friends, your colleagues that truth? Because that is what we're called to do as Christians. It's hard. You may lose people along the way because of declaring the truth, but we are called to say it nonetheless. Oh, this is a happy day. I know it doesn't sound like it at a minute. But it is a happy day. It is a joyous day for all Christians around the world because we have chosen to not do it our way. Have we not? We have not chosen to do it our way. We have chosen to do it Christ's way. He is the only way to true happiness, to true joy, to peace, and for life eternal. Amen? Amen indeed. But, again I say to everyone else, why are you looking for life among the dead? Why are you searching for life in a fallen, broken world? Let me tell you the truth today. A truth Christians know and celebrate this Easter weekend and a truth we will never stop proclaiming. And that is that every one of us deserves to receive the judgment and punishment of God because of our sinful and rebellious nature toward God. And because God declare it, it must and will come to pass, be under no illusion, as I've said. But the most amazing, incomprehensible truth is that God loves every one of his creation every one of you in this room. He loves more than you could ever imagine, ever comprehend. And because of that love, he set in motion the plan that we have remembered and celebrated this weekend. That is why we celebrate, friends, a plan that would not only provide humanity a way to avoid his declared coming righteous judgment, but to also receive hope and peace now. Whatever challenges or struggles that you are facing in life, and to receive not banishment into this place called hell, no, but into glorious eternal life with him at the end of your days. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want that? 
a plan that saw God Almighty himself, the Lord and creator of the universe, humble himself, come to this earth in the person of Jesus, lived as we lived, but with without sin and experiences and the challenges that every one of you and I experience in life, which is why he can relate to us. Which is why when we get on our knees and pray, Lord, I just don't know what I'm, how I'm going to get through this. I'm hurting, I'm in pain, I'm struggling. He can look down and go, I know. I feel it, I've been there. But I'm with you. And I will not leave you. Amen. And he winningly let himself as we saw on Friday, be mocked, allowed himself to be beaten and allowed himself, or should I say he allowed the Romans to hang him on a cross. Remember what we said on Friday? When Pilate turned around and says, Jesus, do you not know that I have the power to give you life or I have the power to give you death? Well, that was going to backfire, wasn't it? And what did Jesus say to him? You only have the power because my heavenly Father is giving you that power. Oh, the arrogance. The blindness. But why would he do this? Because payment was required to free us from the consequences of the sin and rebellion that we live. But... God knew we could not do it ourselves. There is not any one person on this world who has ever lived or ever will live that has the power to be able to save themselves from sin and the consequences of it. That is why God came and stepped in our place because he knew we could not pay it. The sacrificial lamb who took upon himself the whole of mankind's sin, absorbing the full wrath of God's judgment, declaring, what did he declare, church? Three words. What did he declare upon that cross? Say it again. It is finished. We need a banner. Who said that? Yes. That was a youngster there, wasn't it? Amen. It is finished. It was done 2,000 years ago upon that cross. It is finished. A way, a path to true freedom had finally been opened for all who would but recognise their need for a saviour, for those who would surrender and call upon Jesus as the Lord and saviour of their life and turn from a worldly way of living to commit and to dedicate their lives to Jesus' ways and to Jesus' words, and with the help of the Holy Spirit, deny themselves, pick up their cross, and follow Jesus wherever that leads. Is that you today? Is that you online, whoever's watching there? Is that you? Don't be so arrogant to close your heart to these words. Just look around the room. To all of those who call ourselves Christian in this place, we're not nutters. We haven't lost the plot. 
There is a realness to this that we believe. And that has been revealed and awakened in our hearts by God. And the invitation has been granted by him to us. We have, we have been awoken to the truth and we have accepted that invitation. And that invitation is for you today. It is for you as it was for us. However bad you have been in life. I know there are people, because I've, as I'm sure many of you have, I've ministered to people that have done bad things. But I'll tell you one thing, I've also seen salvation come to those people. It doesn't matter how bad you have, if you have a genuine repentant heart and you want to commit your life to Christ, then you will be granted that gift. Will you accept the call in your heart? Will you receive this free gift of salvation that God, Christ, offers you this morning. Can I invite the band up, please? You know, we could have come to church today and only just celebrated the wonderful truth that for those of us in this room that are Christians, that we are saved and we, we know where our assurance is and where we are going. But that would be quite selfish, wouldn't it, if we didn't actually share the honesty of the truth of the gospel to those who are not yet saved. So I make no apologies. I make no apologies on this Easter Sunday for declaring the truth of the gospel with people. Friends, don't look for life among the dead. Stop looking for a saviour in all the wrong places because you will not find it. And I want to declare to you today that the only way to true happiness is through the surrendering of your life to Jesus Christ. He is the only way. He is the only truth and the only life that you will ever need and that you will ever want. He is the first and he will be the last. He is the Alpha and he is the Omega. He is the epiphany of love and the author of peace and joy. And as well as being the biggest and mightiest defender of those who fall upon their knees every day, and look to him as their Lord, King and Saviour. Jesus will reach into whatever hole you are in and he will either pull you out, if that is his will, or he will climb into that hole where you are and say, I will sit next to you and I will be here until this is done. Then he will walk out of that hole with you. As the worship song says, there is no shadow that he won't light up. No mountain that he won't climb up coming for you. There is no wall that he won't kick down, lie that he won't tear down coming after every single one of you. That is his promise. Jesus, God does not break a promise. Stop looking for life among the dead of this world because you will never find it.
If you continue to do so, you will always be left disappointed, unfulfilled, and always living with a Jesus-shaped hole in your heart. Jesus and only Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And he is the only one that can resurrect you to new life. New life now and new life to come. So why? Why do people continue to still look for life among the dead? Friends, Jesus is not dead. He's not dead. Jesus is alive, very much alive. And that is why those who call Jesus Lord celebrate on this Resurrection Sunday. We know what Jesus did for us. We know the consequences if he didn't do what he did for us. And we know the hope and assurance we have in Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. There is no greater gift that we could have received, no greater truth that we could ever be told, and no greater decision that we could have made. So to those of you listening, wherever you are, whether it's six months from now, someone listens to this on YouTube, to those who are listening, who have not yet surrendered your life to Jesus, I say again, do not surrender or look for life in a world that is dead, but turn your gaze to Jesus. Turn your gaze to him and find glorious life in him. Amen? Amen? Amen. 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 Will you stand as I pray? Church, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you make things new. Thank you for the victory and power in your name. Thank you that you hold the keys over death, that by your might Jesus was raised from the grave, paving the way for us to have new life with you. Thank you that you had you had plan, a plan that you made a way for every single one of us. On this Resurrection Sunday, we ask that you refresh us and renew our hearts, our minds and lives for the days ahead. Keep your words of truth planted firm within us. Help us to keep focused on what is pure and right. Give us the power to be obedient to your world. And when the enemy reminds us where we have been, whispering his lies over our way, we trust that your voice speaks louder and stronger, reminding us that we are safe with you and that your purposes and plans have not and will not fail. We ask that you will be our defence and our rear guard, keeping our way clear, removing the obstacles and covering the pitfalls. Lord, lead us on your level ground. Shine your light in us, through us and over us. Help us to be faithful to you in this world for your glory and for your purposes. Set your way before us. May your plan succeed. May we reflect your peace and hope to the world and so desperate, so desperately needs your presence and healing. And God's people said, 
Amen. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let us worship and sing. Amen, church? Amen. Amen.